0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete.
1: What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. I am the Pete of the Pete Callender Show. Yeah, you can hear the latest episodes of the show at com and uh, on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, you can also join the Facebook group uh, where we solve all of the world's problems every day. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, the governor has a plan, kind of, for us. Um, we're on lockdown probably until, I guess, what like July 4th, seems like July 4th weekend. How better to celebrate? Our independence, then, to be finally lifted from uh, GovCo's orders. Um, the show is made possible by folks like Matthew and Mark and Kim and David and Brian and Jan and Janet and Jean and Ben and Jeff and Nicole. I appreciate all of your support. Uh, the show would not be possible without you guys, as well as Mattress Man, Mattress Man Stores. Uh, They understand that uh, even if the governor's order is in place now for another two weeks and if there's some phased openings of uh, retail establishments after that and then another phase after that, at some point, you're going to be able to go into Mattress Man, right? At some point, you're going to be able to go into one of the four stores in the Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville area. Uh, But until that time, you can shop online at mattressmanstores.com. And they ship nationwide. They also do free local white glove delivery for you. Mattressmanstores.com. Click the shop online button. And when you find the perfect mattress that's going to give you the best night's sleep you've ever had, remember the discount code. Restwell. R-E-S-T-W-E-L-L. Restwell. All one word. Just do yourself a favor if you're even thinking about buying a bed, uh write down the code restwell and at some point when you do finally get on over there, you'll have it written down. Uh now if you can, you know, not misplace it in the meantime, but this way you've got the discount code because that'll get you 20% off site-wide, okay? They have the 120-day comfort guarantee. So I think by that point, Governor Cooper will let us uh, walk around outside. So at that point, um, you'll know whether or not this is the best mattress you've ever slept on. I think it will be, but if it's not, they have the 120-day comfort guarantee, okay? So if you don't like the mattress, you can exchange it for free, all right, for 120 days Limited time. Um, Sleeping on the right mattress is life-changing. You don't really even notice it until uh, you get off of the crummy mattress. If you're waking up every morning with pains, it might be the mattress, folks. How old is your mattress? Okay, then. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So Cooper, the governor imposed a statewide COVID-19 executive order uh, banning sit-down service at restaurants and private clubs. And this was back on March 17th. And then he extended this order, you'll recall. He extended the order on March 27th. And uh, that closed all non-essential businesses. It ordered residents, uh to stay at home except for, quote, essential purposes that he listed in the, um, in the order. It barred mass gatherings of anything more than 10 people, and uh, the order was all set to expire in five days from now, April 29th. The governor has not said uh, if he would modify the order or not, and now he has extended the order for another... Uh, two weeks or so, minimum. May eighth. He announced Thursday he's extending the order through May eighth. Cooper's executive order was scheduled to expire the twenty ninth. This, is according to the it Observer, the move keeps only essential businesses such as grocery stores and pharmacies open. The restrict and that's see this is this has been such a this has been such a frustration for me. This delineation, which is a false delineation of essential versus non essential, grocery stores and pharmacies, and that's what everybody talks about. Well, how about Home Depot? You know, why are those essential? Right? I mean, because you can make, and when you read the list of essential services, I mean, legal services is essential, right? They're not closing the courts. Well, they closed some of the proceedings. They've delayed a lot of others. But there are a lot of elements in the court system that are still open. Like this idea that certain things are essential and certain things aren't. And that's not really the standard. The standard should be whether or not something can be done safely or not. That should be the standard. And if, it cannot, if the job or the setting cannot be uh, made safe... Then you stay closed, right? Like that should be the delineation, not essential versus non essential. And I, as a GovCo agent, will tell you if you're essential. Cooper's order was set to expire. um, And uh, it also bans the mass, keeps in place the uh, mass gatherings of 10 people or more ban. Um, And the whole point, according to the News and Observer, obviously, is to slow the spread of the coronavirus. All right, so I've got two audio clips here. That's it. Uh, The first is Roy Cooper's uh, announcement, uh, how he started off the press conference yesterday here.
0: Well, good afternoon, everybody. As of today, we have 7,608 confirmed cases, 486 people in the hospital, and sadly, our death count continues to increase with 253 deaths. As always, our prayers go out to their families. Last month, our state took strong actions to slow the spread of this pandemic. We know that these actions saved lives, but we also know that we can't keep staying at home for the long run. Now we know what is needed to transition out of the restrictions and what a new normal will look like. This matters not just because people are anxious to leave their homes, but because this virus has hurt so many people economically. Last week, we laid out some general steps on the path forward. We need an increase in testing, more tracing, and we need our trends to be headed in the right direction. The White House shares similar guidance with states, and we have incorporated much of that guidance and our plan. After a thorough analysis of the details of testing, tracing and trends, it's clear that we are flattening the curve. But our state is not ready to lift restrictions yet. We need more time to slow the spread of the virus before we can begin easing those restrictions. So today, I'm extending the stay-at-home order until May the 8th.
1: Let me just stop for a second here because what he just said there I think is critical, that they need more time to slow the spread of the virus. Okay, the virus is not going to be stopped by any kind of actions here that he's outlining, right? The only way that you stop the the contagion, any contagion, right, is either you have a cure for it, vaccination or something, uh, or you quarantine everybody in isolation and you then don't risk any jumping from one person to the next. If you could put everybody in their own box separate from human contact, you take the entire world's population, put everybody in a box and leave them there for a month, the virus will be gone right that would be the ultimate quarantine example right it would it, it would it would uh, die out whoever has it dies whoever has antibodies they and they survive and then that's it it's over so you're not you're not slowing the 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 uh, the infection the infection will continue as soon as you start lifting these any of the restrictions the infection will continue because it is so contagious and that is to say like it's hard for me to criticize governor cooper's plan here and i'm not going to very much because i lack the level of detail on the data that i assume the task force whoever that is is using like i have i got questions about the way they've gone about this process the way they've managed the crisis which i think has not been very well um but when it comes to this plan okay like because i can't tell you that's a bad plan I don't know if that's a bad plan. There are people that are saying, oh, we need to reopen it all. This is all a hoax. I'm not in that camp. If you're in that camp, fair enough. I'm not in that camp with you. I'm not going to go tell people to spread an a uh, an infection, a virus, that kills grandma and grandpa. I'm not going to do that. Uh, there's no cure for it, folks. There's no vaccine for it yet. And so there's no herd immunity because we've been self-isolating. So all of these things Make it a make it a lethal endeavor. So I'm not going to advocate that. I don't believe it's a hoax, as some people do. Um, do I believe that government, as is often the case, that they've uh, engaged in massive overreach and used a mallet instead of a scalpel? Absolutely. It's what GovCo does. Not a surprise to me. But as far as this plan goes, I can't tell him that we need to open it up right now because, again, I don't have all of the data and they haven't shared it with us. They're not giving us the data which raises some suspicions, obviously, but I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, even Governor Cooper. Even Governor Cooper. And now he continues.
0: This will include continued closure of dine-in restaurants and bars, as well as the same close contact businesses like hair salons, nail salons, movie theaters, and others that are in the previously signed Executive Order 120. It is important to get our economy moving, and we are helping with unemployment insurance payments, stimulus money, and many businesses that are continuing to be open, but I will not risk the health of our people or our hospitals, and easing these restrictions now would do that. This decision is based on data that we can see in our critical categories. I know people want their lives and their livelihoods back, and I have a plan to do that. But first, no, you we don't. need to hit certain metrics.
1: No, you don't. See, this is the, th- th- again, Classic GovCo. What he's trying to do is insulate himself from a high death toll, from the, the responsibility of a high number of deaths, because even if the lethality, uh, the fatality rate is low, if it's, you know, 0.01 percent of the people that get it die, um, even if that number is low or comparable to the flu, you still have a highly contagious virus that hits more people because there's no herd immunity. There are no vaccines. There's very little treatment. And so you end up get uh, having people, uh, uh, way more people get get the infection, and then by the total number of deaths, that number is going to be large, right? So that's what a lot of politicians are afraid of getting uh, tagged with. They do not want to be the person that oversaw, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 deaths in their states. And so that's what he was saying at the beginning of that portion uh, of his remarks. He's saying, you know, I'm not going to uh, risk the people's health. And, you know, you could take that to an extreme example as well, and okay, well then mandate, as I've said before, you know, you can mandate uh, every single driver has to wear like a race car helmet. They got to wear like, the Hans device, and they've got to wear like the harnesses and stuff, and uh, nobody's allowed to drive more than thirty miles an hour. Like we always, we always embed certain risk assessments in all of these policies, and that's what he's grappling with. The problem is nobody knows, nobody knows what the right answer is here everybody has guesses and some people's guesses may be right and may bear out um that doesn't mean that they um that they know themselves to be right right now we don't know that to be the case everybody is guessing it's including the governor and his task force they're guessing too right they're guessing that this is going to give them uh some some sort of leeway and hopefully they'll have enough stuff in place they'll be able to respond and all um and so i try to keep that in mind as well that 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 it, these are difficult decisions that have real consequences on lives. Now what he just said that you know he has a plan uh, you know to, to restore our lives and livelihoods. okay, that's not that's not true. That part is not true. There are people right now that are bankrupt, they're destroyed. They're going to be destitute. It's all over. They've lost their business, they will lose their homes, they will be out on the street, they're in bread lines. like that's already happened. So th- th- there's nothing you can do now to give that person back the business they built for 30 years, particularly when your orders on like if their business was a restaurant, they're really screwed. Like I can like I am kind of concerned like the, the days of dine in restaurants as we knew them, they're over until there's something that can be done to uh, uh, to minimize this virus. Or I guess everybody gets it and those who can't survive it, they all die off and everybody who could survive it they do survive although with lasting permanent injuries and such um I, I i don't know i don't know what that looks like for restaurants going forward movie theaters i i don't know the the nail salon and hair salon thing that's always been I, i've never really understood how that one gets lumped in because like you could take precautions with each interaction but i don't know and then ramp up testing obviously that's part of the component here's ramp up testing so you know every you know, if you if you are a barber you need to be taking uh people's temporal thir- uh uh temperatures uh you know with one of those uh forehead reining things you know screen them every time they come in okay do you have a fever take a covid test you know and by the way people will begin marketing this like we clean our surfaces 17 times an hour and uh you know all of our employees are tested and like there will be uh marketing positions that can be taken uh by businesses. Everything is going to change here. Everything is going to change. I think there are a lot of people that are in denial. That's how they're responding to all of this. They're in denial about what has happened, what this thing is, what's and they want to, you know, blame individual people and they want to say it isn't that bad and uh we'll all be able to get back to uh life as normal. This is just like the flu. It's not just like the flu. This is, the the more I'm reading about it, this is now, uh, they've connected this to uh, to blood clotting uh, disorders, basically. It's like a thrombosis kind of a thing where, uh, like the fluid that ac- accumulates in people's lungs that they basically drown in uh, when they die from this, um, that is, that's essentially clots. Uh, there's a Broadway actor uh who just had his leg amputated from the clotting that occurred uh because of COVID-19. So like the it's why some people are totally fine and then boom, drop dead of a of a massive stroke. Why? Clotting in the blood. Uh just reading something else about sunlight and UV uh being used uh as part of the treatment that it apparently helps to kill the virus. And so what does everything look like are we going to walk into like tanning salon spaces now going forward i guess you know skin cancer rates are going to go up uh vitamin c apparently and zinc and vitamin d and uh you know this is going to be this whole battery or a whole cocktail of these types of treatments everything i think is going to change um and i think there are a lot of people that are in denial about it but uh cooper says two weeks that's, that, that's, the, that's what we got to wait. He's going to extend it until May 8th, two weeks. We pick it back up there.
0: Because the health and safety of North Carolinians is our number one priority. I'll now recognize Dr. Mandy Cohen, who is our secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services. We're not going to listen to her. walk the through <laughs> the details of the data on testing, tracing, and trends that we are looking at. And then I will follow with the various phases that I believe North Carolina can go through once we hit the metrics that Dr. Cohen is outlining.
1: All right. So we're not going to uh, we're not going to do that. the audio, by the way, what WUNC was doing with their audio, they completely botched it. And so there was you were hearing playback of his comments during her comments. It was just awful anyway. So Cooper, by the way, did not make any reference at this point uh, at this press briefing um or, or uh, it, he didn't give any explanation or announcement on schools uh, schools are closed through may 15th now do you think he's got the order in place through may 8th and then he's going to start lifting into phase one he's going to start lifting to go back to school for what a month i'd be surprised i'd be surprised Um, News and Observer says neighboring states, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee have already started announcing plans to ease restrictions while Virginia's stay-at-home order extends through June 10th. So that's what he's up against. He's caught uh, a valley between two mountains, uh, right? Um, What was the old saying? North Carolina was a valley between two mountains of arrogance, I think is what they said. Virginia and South Carolina. (laughs) Anyway, uh, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee, they've already started announcing plans to lift restrictions. Virginia, uh, they're in it until June 10th. Um, So in short, here is what it means. Right now, we're in a two-week period that will continue much like we've already been under. That's going to go through May 8th. Then phase one, that's the earliest this could start, May 8th, phase one, and that phase could be two to three weeks. Then phase two, so somewhere around May 22nd, May 29th, phase two, that could last four to six weeks, taking us uh, through the end of uh, either through June 19th or even up to July 3rd. That's the long term. if And that's assuming, by the way, that we move through each of these phases, um, Without any setbacks, that there aren't any flare ups, that there aren't any uh, increased uh, reports of infections and deaths and stuff. If, or, or we're not able to get a lot of the, uh, uh, the PPE, the, the equipment, you know, the protective equipment, uh, or we can't get the testing ramped up. And so all of these things have to happen for, for him to release us from phase one to two to three and the, outside date if we hit all of those within the f- framework that he has set up it could be as early as june 19th or as late as july 3rd that's what we're looking at by the way who's on the covid task force who's helping the governor run all of this i do not like the idea of one guy in our state telling us we have to live like this for another three months two months I- i'm not a fan not a fan I want way more information. And considering that I'm not doing much else except just, like, reading everything I can read about COVID-19 and North Carolina, watching every press conference, like, aside from that, I really don't have a lot going on nowadays, so I would like to see more data. I'd like to know more of the the background on this stuff. Um, one of the issues that I have with this plan, and again, it's hard for me to criticize the plan. I have concerns, but I'm not going to criticize it because I don't know all of the data they're using to decide this stuff now, we I, we were exposed to some of it at this press conference, and I'll go over some of it. I have the slideshow, but one of the one of the issues for me, and this has been from the very beginning, is this treatment by our state government that uh, rural areas are the same as urban areas, and they're not. They're not. You should not be treating some you know town of two thousand people should not be treated the same as Charlotte. Much like we saw at the national level, where the whole country is being treated as if it's New York City. Well, I actually have... Well, I wasn't going to even mention this at this point, but I might as well do it. Let me dig through the stack of stuff. Here it is. The National Bureau of Economic Research put out a white paper, working paper series, uh, this week. Headline. You may want to sit down for this one. The Subway's seeded the massive coronavirus epidemic in New York City. I know! Who would have thought? New York City's multi-tentacled subway system was a major disseminator, if not the principal transmission vehicle of coronavirus infection during the initial takeoff of the massive epidemic that became evident throughout the city during March. Maps of subway station turnstile entries superimposed upon zip code level maps of reported coronavirus incidents are strongly consistent with subway-facilitated disease propagation. Local train lines appear to have a higher propensity to transmit infection than express lines. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? You know the difference between an express and a local? A local makes lots of stops and the express takes you right to the final destination, you know, with maybe one stop. So the more stops you have and the more people getting on and off, Facilitates the spread. I know, kind of amazing. Bus hubs may have served as secondary transmission routes out to the periphery of the city. Yeah. Yeah, the virus is transmitted in densely packed. Tubes underground (laughs) where people are breathing on each other, coughing on each other, grabbing the same uh, slick metallic pole uh, and then, you know, using it to walk down the aisles or hold on during the the turns and the bumpiness and turbulence. Yeah, people, they were, it was a germ factory and they were spreading this stuff all throughout the subway, all throughout the trains. How many other uh, cities in the nation? have subway systems like that right oh and then there was this story out of new york city that the infection rate's actually somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 percent right so the, it's already been widespread in in this uh, in the city which would indicate why is that important it indicates that a lot of people had it but the lethality rate the fatality rate is lower than people thought in other words more people have it so the number that we thought This is the math part, the numerator and denominator. So when when you're doing these kinds of assessments, right, the numerator is the one on top, the number on the top of the bar, and then the denominator's on the bottom, and that means divided by. So like one half is, you know, one out of every two, one half, right? So you would divide the two by the one, right? So that's the numerator, denominator. And that, that denominator, that's the important number. How many people had the virus? How many people were totally infected? What's that denominator number? And then how many people died would go up on top, and then you would divide it into it. So you would know then what is that rate? And you could tell by the bigger the number on the bottom that the fatality rate gets smaller based on the number on the top, if that's not changing either. Now, here's the other thing. We still don't know if all the numbers from the top number have been counted because like in North Carolina, they're having problems... With the data collection from the State Department of Health and Human Services, they've been stiff-arming reporters trying to find out how many COVID-related deaths there have been in nursing homes. Uh, You've got deaths that have uh, not been counted as COVID in this state. So it's possible that our our numbers are way lower than they actually should be. Yeah. Right? So there was a... Let me jump ahead here. There was a collaboration between... Six media outlets. Um, Let's see here. I've got them. Yes, yes, I have them. It's the Charlotte Observer, Carolina Public Press, News & Observer, WBTV, WECT, and WRAL. And here's the headline. NC's COVID-19 death counts may give an incomplete picture of the virus's toll. The death certificates for two groups of North Carolina residents who died in late March and early April within days of each other testify to what claimed their lives they suffered from a range of conditions that are commonly seen singularly or together in elderly patients approaching death cardiopulmonary arrest acute respiratory failure pneumonia coronary artery disease copd atrial fibrillation lung cancer diabetes and pneumonia but the death certificates for the first group of these people indicate an additional aggravating health factor which likely proved fatal for their already struggling physical systems. They tested positive for COVID-19. The other group, so you got two groups, right? So that's the first group. The other group of death certificates gives no indication that those people were ever tested, despite remarkably similar symptoms. After all, these conditions kill people every day. Without the test results, whether negative or positive, it's impossible to know how many of these North Carolina residents who died had the virus. And the number of people in North Carolina who died with comparable symptoms, but without any test results recorded, is many times greater than the number whose death certificates say they tested positive. So when state officials say 213 state residents have died of the virus, they can only include the ones that tested positive. Those with the same symptoms, but no COVID-19 test results are not included, even if the doctor thought that the virus killed them. Laboratory confirmed deaths are reported by hospitals and physicians directly to the local and state health departments, usually within hours or days of a patient dying. North Carolina DHHS has acknowledged there's a second way to track COVID-19 deaths, and that is through death certificates. But a review of thousands filed in counties across North Carolina by a collaborative of reporters from six newsrooms found a range of factors that make the second method easier said than done. The task of accurately tracking, counting, and reporting COVID-19 deaths is further complicated by a continued shortage of tests. In some cases... Death certificates don't mention COVID-19, even when the state confirmed that the patient was positive and counts that death in its total. So these reporters go out looking at death certificates. They, they do this because they can't get the data from the state. So they start going to all these health departments and asking the health departments, can I see the death certificates? The health departments then call up to the State Department of Health and Human Services and the state DHHS. They tell the locals, don't help the reporters. Send them someplace else. Don't give them that information. Why? What are you doing? This is what I was talking about a couple of days ago. You got to feed the beast. The beast is telling you, I want data. I want data. Give me the data. What is the data? And you keep saying, no, no, no. You keep starving it. It's going to go find it. And so that's what these folks did. They went out because here's the thing. It's not just health departments that get the death certificates, registers of deed. They also, uh, the or deeds, uh, uh, registers of deeds. They, they also have the death certificates. So they went looking at the death certificates. The problem is, even if someone tested positive for COVID-19, might not be on the death certificate. Now, by the way, I am also aware there are a lot of people that make this case. They raise the question, you know, uh... Well, what's being counted as a COVID-related death? Good question. It's all over the map. It is. It's all over the map. There are some jurisdictions that are not counting them, even though they are COVID-related deaths. And then there are some that are counting everything as a COVID-related death. So the data is all a mess on this, too. A review of death certificates in Buncombe County found at least two that noted COVID-19 tests were still pending at the time the certificate had been completed. Buncombe Health officials did not respond to a question about the results of those tests or whether they had counted towards the county's COVID-19 deaths in time for the article's publication. Uh, down in New Anover County, David Howard, the deputy health director, said that the guidance from the state has been to only report deaths attached to lab-confirmed cases. So the state is telling the locals... Unless you've got lab confirmation, do not count the total number. So that tells me that the COVID-related deaths is actually higher in North Carolina than what they're reporting. Now, there is a there is an obvious political benefit to undercounting this. And it's funny, too, because a lot of conservatives uh, making the argument that this is all just a hoax by the Democrats, um, which is, to me, a bit of insanity. Um, but to me, like this actually undermines that argument, because w- what you're saying, then, is that Roy Cooper and his DHHS is trying to undercount the total number of deaths because why that benefits him see I can see this as benefiting him politically but if you view everything through the prism of Trump you would think that they're inflating all of the numbers to make Trump look bad okay Uh, so there's a problem with the data collection Uh, David Howard Again, Deputy Health Director in New Hanover County, says... That uh, the state guidance has been to only report deaths attached to lab confirmed cases of the virus, leaving out cases where a physician has diagnosed somebody with the virus or suspects the virus in absence of a test. Quote, those will be counted. They are not being counted out. uh, They're not being counted now because we are erring on the side of being accurate with our death reporting and our case reporting as opposed to trying to extrapolate to a number of cases and a number of deaths across a community or a county or a state. So, They're undercounting to be on the safe side. So now what's going to happen, by the way, when they finally catch their breath and say, hey, we have all this blood work. Let's run it through now and confirm whether all of those earlier deaths were COVID-related deaths. And then you're going to see the numbers go up. And then, of course, everybody's going to go, oh, my gosh, they're padding the stats now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just giving you a heads up, right? These are the arguments that people are going to be making. You know who's never had to pad the stats is Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. It's true. Um, Rowena Patton's all-star powerhouse team, they specialize in the Asheville Diamond, which is from Weaverville to Hendersonville and Waynesville to Black Mountain. She and the team will give you all the information you need to make your informed, intelligent decision, whether you are buying a home or selling a home. And uh, she outsells ninety nine percent of the real estate agents in North Carolina. Uh, she's also the top Homes for Heroes real estate agent in America. Homes for Heroes gives buyers and sellers who are military, law enforcement, firefighters, healthcare workers, and educators gives them twenty five percent back from the commissions. And she has given back somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight hundred thousand dollars by this point to local healthcare professionals military, police, fire, uh, and teachers. Uh, So if you're buying or selling a house, and I know it's probably like an impossible thought right now, you're like, oh, that can't happen. It can't happen. She's actually still buying and selling houses. It can be done. She's actually been doing video tours for the better part of a decade, actually longer than a decade now. And uh, so she's got the tech. It's already built in. They know what they're doing. Looks good. Actually, it's one of the reasons why they get their home sold fast and for more money. Because they do such a great job uh, on the marketing side, including uh, the video. And so you want to uh, explore some options, even if not right now, but you're thinking about what you're going to do after you're able to you know, come up out of the, uh, the quarantines, give her a call, 333-4483, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. In North Carolina, death certificates are maintained by two agencies, right? health departments and register of deeds. State law requires both agencies to provide copies of the death certificates to any kind of public records request. And uh, Mike Tadich, I think is his name, a Raleigh lawyer who represents members of the news media in records lawsuits. um, uh, He says that this is, these are public documents and the state doesn't have a right to be withholding it. The collaborative Uh, Of these reporters got mixed responses from county health departments and registers of deeds across the state. Within two days of journalists requesting death certificates from county health departments, officials with DHHS told the county offices not to provide the records and they did not cite any legal justification for doing so. Elaine Russell, the director of the Transylvania County Health Department, asked DHHS whether her office was the proper agency to provide death certificates. Quote, we don't hold the official copy, so I don't think we can respond to the request, she said. DHHS told her to send reporters to the state health department's communications team instead, and then they just don't respond to the reporters. (laughs) That's how that works. You tell the locals, refer them to us, and then when the reporters go to the state... They don't get any callbacks. Iredale County, uh, they referred everybody to the Register of Deeds, and when a reporter asked what legal provision prohibited her office from providing the records, she could not give any kind of legal explanation for that. Uh, But the best came from uh, Iredale County's Register of Deeds, Ron Wyatt. This was the best reaction, I thought. He told a reporter that he would charge the reporter for staff time spent researching and pulling the death certificates. He also objected to a reporter accessing the public records at all, saying, quote, I will be making everyone in Iredell County aware through various means available that you are wanting all these death records with their loved ones' private information, he wrote this in an email, quote, as an elected official, it is relevant the public be aware of how you are trying to bully the county into just giving you info from private citizens because you think you deserve it. <laughs> uh, to quote William Money in Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood's character, deserving got nothing to do with it, okay? It's a public record. They can ask for it and you shall provide it um i shall provide the rest of roy cooper's comments here let me first though run through i have the powerpoint this one uh is a little bit longer than the other nine page powerpoint that basically had three pages worth of actual content um this one i think is like 17 pages yeah 17 pages you got the you know the welcome screen a screen and then you got the uh uh you know questions or whatever um North Carolina has taken aggressive actions to save lives. And by the way, this is the narrative that they very much uh, uh, are reinforcing every time they do these public briefings. You hear it when they talk about the strong action, the bold action. The governor's acted strongly and boldly, bold and strong, strong and bold. Um, And so they want everybody to kind of really absorb that message. Governor Cooper, strong and bold. Because... Like when he gets up there and speaks you those two words do not cross your mind okay um and uh they say first off we have flattened the curve and then they've got this handy chart it shows days since the 100th case uh so this is the number of uh, patients per 1 million residents and uh it's not gone way up high really quickly it uh it went up a little bit and it's kind of just like at a nice little smooth curve okay um, they have slowed the rate of acceleration. So uh, and this is, they track this by uh, the number of days it takes for the number of cases to double. That is a, uh, that's, you know, that's an outbreak. When the number of cases just keeps doubling, you know, every day, every two days, every week, or whatever, it just keeps doubling because the exponential growth there is, you know, catastrophic. And so this is how they measure it. And it takes, it's taking longer now for the number of cases to double. So it, like back uh, March 19th, it took two days to double. And then uh, by the time we got around to like March 25th, we were up to like four days before the numbers doubled. Uh, and then by the time we got to April 3rd, so, uh, you know, what, three weeks later, now we're up to six days it takes to double. And uh, first half of them, uh, yeah, so from April 8th through the 18th, uh, now we're at 11 days so it's still doubling right the number of cases is still doubling it's just taking longer to double this is what I keep saying the infection there's no cure right so this is going to spread the numbers are going to go higher they're not going to go down right I mean I mean the number of new like you could be tracking the number of new cases and such but when you take the total number of cases that number's always going to go up Okay, uh, then where do we go from here? So the trends are metrics. COVID likes, uh, COVID-like cases over 14 days, that's what they're looking at. Lab-confirmed cases over 14 days. Positive tests as a percentage of total tests over 14 days, okay, which, by the way, that's going to get monkeyed with as soon as you start testing more people more often, and then they're looking at hospitalization. So they're on a two-week review, basically, two-week window of review, They want um, to to, to, to do the uh, tests completed per day. They want to increase tests uh, uh, completed per day. They actually gave us a number. I'll get to that. The ability to conduct widespread tracing and the supply of personal protective equipment. Uh, Then they got some graphs. They got some uh, spiky charts and stuff here. Trajectory of... Uh, tests that are positive—that's um, kind of flatlined, and but still growing. It's going up. The trajectory of hospitalization is still going up, but not very rapidly. Um, here it is: testing and tracing capacity increase daily testing. They want to go from 2,500 to 3,000 people per day to 5,000 to 7,000 a day. So basically, d- double the number of people tested each day they want to increase the number of tracers the con- the people doing the tracing they want to go from 250 to 500 they want to deploy digital tracing technology this is they've not done any of this okay so by the way like this isn't done that's why the order still has to continue cuz this isn't done Availability of personal protective equipment. They want supplies to fill requests for at least 30 days. So a 30 days supply currently they have less than 30 days of gowns and N ninety five masks. Uh so what they like so far, we have hit one of the four benchmarks on the trends, the which is the trajectory of COVID-like cases over 14 days. We're on we 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 check that box, but the trajectory of cases over um uh, 14 days we haven't, the positive tests as a percentage of total tests we haven't, and the trajectory of hospitalizations haven't checked that. The All of the capacity stuff, the testing, the tracing, the PPE haven't hit any of that. So this is, what they, this is where we need to go. We need continued decreases in the number of cases, or what they say, sustained leveling, I, I mean, I got questions about this because this is all about statistics and people don't know anything about statistics. Look, I failed statistics three times, but I finally passed it um, and it was all because I couldn't have the right calculator, like for real, it's a true story. But anyway, um, I took a lot of statistics. I took the same stats class four times, okay, in college. And so like I got a lot of statistics training. It was the same training over and over again. But I just one of the things I learned is that uh, you can use these things to tell any kind of a story you want to tell. Okay, so the number of positive tests, they want to see decline, hospitalizations decline, and I went over the uh the capacity stuff. So here's phase 1. And again, phase 1, this is uh this is by the way, this is this starts after May 8th. This is not right now. Phase 1, we don't even get to talk about doing phase 1 until May 8th. So right now, we're still in the same pattern as we were uh and as we're going to be until May 8th. Nothing is changing until May 8th. Then, if we're lucky, phase one can be implemented. And phase one could last about two weeks, minimum. Don't you think about starting phase two before the two weeks, okay? Phase one, stay-at-home orders remain in place, but people can leave home for commercial activity. So if you need to run to some other store besides a grocery store, then you can you can do that. Those retailers and services... Um, that are allowed to open, they're going to have to implement social distancing, cleaning and other protocols. Gatherings limited to no more than 10 people that remains in place. Parks now can be open, but subject to gathering limits. And you got to wear face coverings. That's recommended in public and restrictions remain in place for nursing homes and other congregate living settings and uh, encourage continued teleworking. That's phase one. By the way, with all of the focus on teleworking and everybody online and everything, do you need some? Uh, do you need some help with your website, your business website, your, your small business entrepreneur? Maybe you're uh, part of the decision making team for uh, professional service or corporate setting. If you need help with your business website, it can be overwhelming for anybody. So let Schaefer Smith help you out. Schaefer Smith Design does logos, graphics, photos, an online store. They can build that for you. Uh, search engine optimization, website maintenance and security on the back end. Got to keep constantly updating or else your, your website's not going to be secure. For professional services, corporate, small businesses, entrepreneurs, Schaefer Smith Design. Make your site look professional and user-friendly for your customers and you, and uh, it'll help you adapt quickly. SchaeferSmith.com. That's Schaefer Smith dot com. Uh, Cooper said that phase two would be two to three weeks after phase one. So May 8th, now we're up to like either May 22nd or May 29th. And here's what we have to look forward to at the end of May. The lifting of the stay-at-home order with a strong encouragement for the vulnerable populations to continue staying at home. See, This is that lifting of the stay-at-home order, that one right there, that's what other states are already doing right now. Allow limited opening of restaurants, bars, and other businesses that can follow strict safety protocols, such as reduced capacity. I don't think restaurants and bars are going to make it to May 22nd. I, I just don't. They, most restaurants and bars, very thin profit margins to begin with. Uh, the, the loan programs have been very difficult. Uh, you've got uh, employees that in some cases will be making more on unemployment than they were at the restaurants, and so they're not going to go back to work. Um, and you've got, uh, the costs of, uh, you know, of now trying to reopen this restaurant. Um, uh, I think most of them will be out of business by then. Um, I also recognize that these businesses are based on being able to turn a certain number of tables in a certain period of time. And not only are people going to stay away from the bars and restaurants because of fear of getting the virus, uh, but, uh, you're also going to be, you know, cutting their occupancy rates in what in by by 80% by 50% like what their their business model wasn't built on having that few tables in their restaurants they're just not going to be able to survive that's 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 my fear um an increase in the number of people allowed at gathering, so that's when we could see more than 10 people allowed at a gathering. They would open the public playgrounds, which is sort of an interesting thing. If there's evidence now uh, that suggests the virus does not survive UV light, which means are people actually getting it at the playgrounds? Like, when you shut down all the playgrounds, was that from human to, to avoid human-to-human human, um, transmission among the kids? Or was it to eliminate the transmission from the surfaces because it doesn't seem like it lives on the surfaces. Seems like there should be people walking around maybe with like big sprayers all the time, just spraying disinfectant on everything just in a regular rotation. Maybe just put everybody to work as disinfecting uh, agents, you know, Uh, continue rigorous restrictions on nursing homes and congregate care settings. Um, and this would be phase two, by the way, would be where allow gathering at houses of worship and entertainment venues, but at reduced capacity. So that would be phase two. So that would start no earlier than May 22nd. You'd be able to go back to your church. All right. Phase three, which could begin uh, so th- four to six weeks after phase two. And now you're into June. Um Lessen restrictions for vulnerable populations with encouragement to continue practicing physical distancing. Allow increased capacity at restaurants and bars and other businesses, houses of worship and entertainment venues. Further increase the number of people allowed at gatherings, and continue rigorous restrictions on nursing homes and congregate care settings. Okay, so those are the uh, those are the phases. Now, um, I kind of feel well i'm i'm sympathetic to the argument and i tend to agree with the argument that uh this is too broad of a plan for all of the areas of the state i understand uh the difficulty in crafting a uh you know at that kind of a local level kind of a plan but there are obviously differences in the way people live in rural areas versus densely populated areas right Um, let me see here earlier this month the governor said that Wholesale lifting of restrictions would be catastrophic. The News and Observer previously reported at least one national expert on the pandemic agrees with that approach. This is Dr. Mark McClellan, who was the FDA commissioner from 2002 to 2004 under President George W. Bush and now directs Duke's Margolis Center for Health Policy. He said the state approach so far has limited the virus's spread, which, of course, it has. Quarantining everybody will limit the spread of any contagion. right? (laughs) Of course it will. By every analysis we've seen, McClellan said, places like North Carolina, even though we've had some significant spread of the virus, and even though we've missed some of it because of asymptomatic cases and limited testing, my guess, Mm -hmm. and a lot of expert epidemiologists... Best estimate is only a small share of people in North Carolina are actually immune, less than 10%. That means they've already got the antibodies. That means if we're going to think about reopening successfully, we have to prepare for the possibility uh, of the virus being able to affect the vast majority of North Carolinians even after what we've been through uh, already. And we have to plan accordingly for that. He does not expect social distancing restrictions uh, to disappear any time soon, which I, I agree with them on that the thing that's going to help limit the spread to people down the road is it sounds counterintuitive but is to allow for the spread among people now and to build the herd immunity because right now we don't know we we have no vaccine and even i mean the best case scenario is you come out with a vaccine by next year thursday morning north carolina had more than uh 7700 cases in 93 counties And then I love this line from the News and Observer, even with that continued increases in cases, it's a poorly written word, the editor missed it. They're saying we have 7,700 cases, 93 counties, 275 deaths. Even with this information, Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest and Senator Phil Berger both said Cooper's stay-at-home extension and reopening plan will hurt the economy. As if these two shouldn't say that the plan is hurting the economy because the numbers are going up, which... They will by necessity because there is no cure. So the numbers are going to continue to go up. But see, even with these numbers, those Republicans are just taking pot shots. Like, God. That's where you see the bias. These these underlying assumptions. Nobody can question the governor because the governor's plan is the right plan because Democrat. Now, if you don't have a plan for preparedness, uh, well, you should. And you should text my friend Tim at Old Grouch's. Military surplus. Downtown Clyde. across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. But uh, more importantly, online right now. OldGrouch.com. You can send him a text. His name is Tim or Old Grouch. You can you can call him that too. 565-2497 is the number. 565-2497. Send him a text. You can make an order via text. You can ask about an item on OldGrouch.com. Also, you could just get some advice. Ask him for some advice on how to be prepared for COVID realities. OldGrouch.com. Military Surplus, an old-school traditional store with a mix of modern and vintage items. All right, that's it for today. Remember, uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a positive review, give it a thumbs up if you'd like, and uh, thank you so much for the support. We'll talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.